All right, church. Well, we have arrived at the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. And what we've been doing these last few weeks is that we have been taking a step out of our study of Hebrews, which we will be getting back to. Uh, But we've done this in order to preach a few topical sermons on how some of the elements of the Christmas story can speak some, and, and, and the truth of the incarnation, how those can address some of the specific things that we've had to deal with in this year, 2020. And we've titled this Advent series, In the Year of Our Lord. And we titled it that because we wanted to remind ourselves about who was in control of this year. And we believe that God put on flesh and he came to earth and he was born in Bethlehem. We believe that he went on to live a life of perfect obedience and faithfulness. He then went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and to release us from the power of sin. And three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating Satan's sin and death. And he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father on the throne. And because of all of that, this Jesus, this Jesus whose birth we celebrate here this morning and every Christmas season, he is our king. And he is ruling and reigning over every year of our lives. And 2020 is no different. And he will continue. He will continue to rule and reign in 2021. Amen, church. Amen. And in week one of our series, what we did was we looked at the courage of Mary and Joseph. And we saw uh, we saw how this courage was going to be required of us for the road ahead. And we asked the Lord that he would give us this Christian courage. Then in week two, since we were feeling a bit courageous, we decided to tackle some politics, okay? And in week two, we saw how the birth of Jesus completely disrupts the broken political systems and governments of our world, but that now in Christ, we can be freed to joyfully engage in God's government by participating in these lesser governments. And then last week, we saw how the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the only gospel that is truly good news for all people, and that if there's any chance for hostility to be healed between different ethnicities, first the hostility between God and man has to be dealt with, and it is only the blood of Jesus that is precious enough and powerful enough to do such a thing. And now this morning, as we conclude this Advent series, we will see how Christmas brings joy to our waiting. Joy to our waiting. Because none of us like to wait, right? None of us like to wait. Uh, I recently ordered a book online, and I decided to make the financially responsible decision. Uh, and this wasn't through Amazon. It was somewhere else. And I decided to make the, re- the financial, financially responsible decision. And on the shipping type, I picked media mail. Media, I don't know if anyone has ordered something media mail recently, but for all that's been the bad stuff that's been said about our media, the media mail is the worst that I have seen. Because you see, before the Amazon Prime two-day delivery system, uh, I didn't used to mind shipping things by media mail. Uh, But now that I've been spoiled, uh, I've been spoiled in just being ready to like instantly getting what I want when I want it. Uh, Now, because I've been spoiled by that, I'm freaking and stressing out that something's taking longer than three days to get to my house, right? I mean, you you get online, you start tracking the the package, see where it's at, what's the holdup, why it's taking so long. I mean, in a week, you might not even want that book anymore. Uh, Like, what's the point if it's going to take this long to get there? 
And on an unrelated note, a few of you that have mentioned wanting to get baptized, I have ordered you some books to take you through, and I will be getting those to you sometime in 2021. But listen, church, one of the glaring weaknesses of the body of Christ living in the Amazon Prime generation is that we are not good at waiting on the Lord. We are not good at waiting on the Lord. But in the year of our Lord 2020, there's been a lot of waiting we've had to do. And that's one of the reasons it's been so painful, right? First, it was just waiting to see like how all the virus stuff was going to play out, right? We heard about this back in January, February, March, and then we just had to kind of wait and just see how things were going to play out. We then found ourselves waiting for the curve to flatten. We then found ourselves waiting for the virus to eventually stop. We've been waiting for a vaccine and for different treatment options. We've been waiting for the next order from government leaders to hear their advice. We've been waiting on election results and all this sorts of things. And now we enter into a season of Advent where we as Christians should be reminded every year that yes, this is a season and celebration of the first Advent when Christ first came to earth, but this is also a season of longing and waiting for his second Advent when he returns. We must remember that we are a waiting people. We are in a season of waiting right now. Even right now, some of you are waiting for this sermon to wrap up so that we can get to the good food and fellowship that is to come. And so I understand that. And therefore, for the next 90 minutes, it will be my joy to meticulously walk you through these 17 verses, verse by verse. So turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm sort of kidding, but you never know. Uh, you never know. In, uh, in all seriousness, Luke chapter 2, we are not going to break down every single verse of this passage like we would if, when we preach through books of the Bible. But I simply this morning want to introduce you to two people who knew something about waiting. All right, we're going to meet two people that knew something about waiting. Media mail wouldn't, wouldn't have been a thing for them. Like to, they would have just brushed it off. Right? That's, that's easy. And these two people that we will be introduced to this morning are Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. Simeon's name means God hears. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember Simeon and Anna. Simeon's name means God hears. And Anna's name means grace. And therefore, as we are trying to pursue joy in our waiting, I want you to remember those two names. If you get nothing else from this sermon, know this. We can have joy in our waiting by remembering Simeon and Anna. God hears and God gives grace. God hears and God gives grace. When you find yourself waiting, when you find yourself waiting, remember Simeon and Anna. God hears and God gives grace. When you do not get what you want when you want it, remember Simeon and Anna. God hears and God gives grace. When your flesh is operating on Amazon Prime time and God is more the media mail approach, remember God hears and God gives grace. And so let's, let's pray and we will jump into Luke chapter 2. Father God, we do thank you for this morning, and Lord, we thank you for the gift that, that you have given to us in your church, uh, the people of God. We thank you for this opportunity to gather, to worship you, uh, to fellowship with one another, 
to proclaim your goodness and, and, and this good news of grace uh, that, Lord Jesus, you came to bring us. And so, God, we, we want to celebrate this well, but we need your help. Father, we ask as we look at your word that it would do a, a mighty work on our hearts, that it would transform us. Uh, we ask that you would stir up in us a greater love for you and a greater love for one another. We ask that, Lord, you would convict those that need to be convicted and that you would comfort those that need to be comforted this morning. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so Mary and Joseph here in the story, they've had Jesus, and they being devout Jewish people, they are following what God's word had instructed God's people to do in regards to religious and ceremonial cleanness, uh, which would ultimately be satisfied and fulfilled by their son, Jesus. But God's law had said that a mother, after giving birth to a son, was to be confined for 40 days, and then after that time, she was to go to the temple to make and offer a sacrifice. And what she was to do was to take a lamb as a burnt offering and a turtle dove as a sin offering. But God, who is always so gracious to us in his word, he allowed for anyone who, would not, who could not afford a lamb that they could actually sacrifice two turtle doves instead. Okay, two turtle doves, not the partridge in the pear tree, but just the two turtle doves, okay? And so here we see that the offering that Mary and Joseph offer up was an offering that was allowable to the poor, okay? Jesus is born into poverty, and this is a sacrifice that is acceptable to the poor, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it, that Jesus was born into King David's family, right? I mean, my, how, how King David's family has kind of fallen in their socioeconomic status, and this might be one of the reasons that many people who were waiting for this Messiah, this Christ to come from King David's family, many of them, this maybe wasn't on their radar. They were maybe waiting for David's family to kind of regain political power, to kind of flourish once again as a family line. But God knew that it was going to play out this way. He had, he had spoken to his prophet uh, Isaiah, you know, years and years before this. He said that the Messiah wasn't going to come from the flourishing forest of Jesse and King David. No, he said he was going to come from the stump of David. And here we see King David's and Jesse's family has kind of gone back to how they were before David became king. They were poor shepherds. Mary and Joseph were poor and insignificant and that is why many who were not waiting on the Lord missed the arrival of Jesus. And some people today have still missed it. You see, when you are not ultimately waiting on the Lord, you oftentimes miss out on seeing and being a part of what God is doing. Simeon and Anna, they were waiting on the Lord, and therefore God graciously allows them to be part of this great story of redemption, and 2,000 years later, we are still talking about them. When you are not ultimately waiting on the Lord, 
you miss out on seeing and being a part of what God is doing. There were many people at that time that were waiting for political power. There were many at that time who were waiting for the Romans to be overthrown. They were waiting on all these things that they thought they should be waiting on, but they weren't waiting on the Lord, and therefore they missed out on what God was doing. But not Simeon and Anna. They waited on the Lord. To wait on the Lord, here's what that means, okay? To wait on the Lord means to trust that God is the only one who can deliver you. To trust that God is the only one who can deliver you. There's no backup plan for someone who is waiting on the Lord. If, if the Lord does not deliver them, then no one else will. To wait on the Lord is to place your entire confidence on Him and His timing, To wait on the Lord is to place your entire confidence on him and his timing. And my question for you all this morning is, is not like, are you waiting? But who are you waiting on? Who are you waiting on? When we are waiting for national success, when we are waiting for political power, when we are waiting for individual health and wealth, when we are waiting for a better job or the next vacation or a more comfortable life, when we are waiting, dare I even say, when we are waiting on 2020 to finally be over with, when we are waiting upon things and putting our trust and hope and confidence on other things, instead of waiting on the Lord, we miss out on the joy of seeing and being a part of what he is doing. And I'll say that again. When we are waiting upon other things and putting our trust and hope and confidence on other things, instead of waiting on the Lord, we miss out on the joy of seeing and being a part of what he is doing right here, right now. And may this be a prayer of ours from Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. No no one else. I'm not waiting for anyone else. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. Simeon and Anna were not waiting for King David's family to regain political power. They were not waiting for the, they, they were waiting for the Lord. They were not waiting for anything else. And it was his word that they hoped in. They were waiting on the Lord. They placed their entire hope in him. Not, not 70% of it on him and 30% in your 401k. Not, not 80% in him and 20% in your job or your good works or your government. God doesn't call you to diversify your hope and who you are waiting on. Simeon and Anna were not waiting on anyone or anything else. They were waiting on the Lord. Who are you waiting on? And let me tell you how to diagnose who you are waiting on. When I'm waiting for a package to deliver and it hasn't come and I start to stress and freak out, I get online, I get on the website, and it tells me who I am waiting on. Is this the postal service? Is this FedEx? Is this UPS? Is this the, the, the president of Media Mail? Like, who am I waiting on? You might be thinking, this guy doesn't understand Media Mail at all. And I don't. I don't understand it. I don't know where those books are or if they're coming. But we get on, right, we, we, we see, who is it? Who am I waiting on, okay? So in your life, 
When you don't get what you want when you want it, and you start to stress or freak out, whatever it is you go to in that moment, that is who you are waiting on. That is who you are waiting on. Some of us, we stress and freak out, and we go look at the bank account, right? Like, let's just make sure the numbers look good. Okay, all right, feel good. Some of us, we maybe stress and freak out, and we go to our favorite news site, and we just kind of, just getting more information, knowledge, that just, oh yeah, it feels good. Many, some of us, we go to our social media feeds. Maybe we turn to food and drink. Maybe we go to lust and fantasy. Like, when God doesn't give you what you want, when you want it, where do you go? And wherever it is that you, are go, that you go, that is who you are waiting on. But church, listen, there is no lasting joy in waiting on anyone other than our good and gracious God. There is no lasting and satisfying joy in waiting upon anyone else but the Lord. Because how do we see God respond to his people who are waiting on him? Remember, Simeon and Anna. God hears them, and God gives them grace. God hears, and God gives grace. And God allows Simeon and Anna to joyfully be part of this story. So let's, let's meet this Simeon, okay? Look back at Luke chapter 2. Let's meet Simeon. Luke 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, it's sometimes assumed that Simeon is a priest at the temple, but we don't know that, and actually most commentators are, w- think that he wasn't a priest. Like, he's, he's not, he doesn't have an official title there. He's not in any position of authority or anything like that. This is just like a dude in Jerusalem, all right? Just a normal guy. He loves, loves the Lord. He's, he's in prayer and things like this. Like, he's just a guy in Jerusalem. And it's oftentimes assumed that he was a very old man, but we actually don't know his age. Uh, It's assumed that he's an older man because after he sees Jesus, he expresses a willingness to now kind of go to be, you know, at home with the Lord, to depart in peace or die. And so sort of assumed that he's probably a bit older. But, But here's what we do know. The Bible says that he was a righteous and devout man. He was righteous and devout. Now, He was not perfectly righteous. We know that no human being other than Jesus was perfectly righteous, but he was righteous, meaning that he was just, that he lived an upright life, that he was devoted to God. To to live a righteous and devout life means that, that he lived his life pursuing the ways of God and trusting in the promises of God. And man, may by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, may that be said of us that we lived our lives pursuing the ways of God and trusting in the promises of God. Pursuing the ways of God and trusting in the promises of God. And look, his righteousness and devoutness, they are described a bit for us by what he was doing. Look back at 25. What was he doing? He was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what does that phrase mean, consolation of Israel? The consolation of Israel is the messianic hope, the hope that God would raise up a deliverer who would rescue God's people from their enemies and bring them the comfort and the peace that they had been longing for. Okay, that word consolation, it means comfort or refreshment. 
The consolation of Israel was a phrase that, the, that rabbis used about the coming Christ who would bring comfort and refreshment to the people. And Simeon knew that no one else could bring comfort and refreshment to God's people. Only the promised Messiah, only the Christ could do that. But look at God's timetable here. God did not bring this comfort or refreshment on the Amazon Prime delivery schedule. And so Simeon, what did he have to do? He waited. He waited. But he was not alone in his waiting. Yes, we're about to meet Anna, but there was someone else with him. Look back at 25 and see if you see the someone else who is waiting alongside Simeon. It says in verse 25 that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, you see, the Holy Spirit was certainly at work before the day of Pentecost. But the difference before the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus was that the Holy Spirit would come upon people and would temporarily lead them and prompt them and guide them. And then after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit start to come into people, start to fill them and dwell with them. And so us as believers, we have an even greater privilege than Simeon because now we don't have to go to a temple, but the New Testament tells us that we are a temple for the Holy Spirit who has filled us and, and, and lives in us. And therefore, in our waiting, we are not waiting alone. We are not waiting alone. We are waiting as ones who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and this Spirit has united us to the body of Christ, other believers. And look at, and notice, notice as we think about the Christmas story, notice how the Spirit leads us. Because the Spirit is not just speaking to Simeon, right? The, uh, the Spirit is prompting Simeon in a way that is consistent with how the prophets spoke hundreds of years before. This was all consistent and playing out with what the prophets and Scripture had said. The Spirit here is consistent with the message that the angels gave to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. The Spirit is consistent with how Anna is being led at here as well. And so, church, one of the ways that we can have joy in our waiting is to be led by the Spirit together. That brings joy to our waiting, to know that in our waiting, we are being led by the Spirit together. When God works, He does not just speak in one isolated case to one isolated person. No, He speaks to a people and therefore, we are, uh, therefore, as we are led by the Spirit, it is important for all of us to discern that if what we are hearing is consistent with how God has already spoken in the Scriptures, and if it's consistent with how the Spirit is prompting and leading one another. And therefore, if we are going to be an elder-led, congregationally responsible church, which is our desire, then as we wait upon the Lord, we need for all of us to take the responsibility to be in tune with the Spirit through prayer and to have a knowledge of the Scriptures so that as a community of believers, we can joyfully wait on the Lord and be led by the Holy Spirit. When God does not give us what we want, when we want, we must joyfully wait upon the Lord by being led by the Holy Spirit together. But we don't like to wait. 
And we oftentimes grow impatient with God. We grow impatient with one another. And we oftentimes run out ahead of where and when God is leading. And in the process, we pay a painful price. In college, I went on a missions trip to Jamaica, and I had a couple of friends, teammates that were from Jamaica, and so it was, it was a really special for them, for us to, as a group, go down and do some camps and mission work there in Jamaica. And on one of the days, one afternoon, we were exploring downtown Kingston, and I decided to go into a souvenir shop and get something to take home to remember the trip by. And I, I took the item up to the shop owner, and uh, he said it was going to be $20. So I reached into my wallet to get $20. I thought, okay, that's not too bad. I mean, I don't really know what, what is a normal price here. And so I went to pay him $20. And one of the people that I was with said, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And they pulled me outside. And they said, just, just wait on your teammates to get here, okay? I was like, okay. So I waited for my two Jamaican teammates to get there. One was 6'10", one was 6'8", and I instead then walked in with them on either side of me, and all of a sudden the item went on sale. It wasn't $20, it was $5 when I had my teammates with me. I don't know how that worked, but I mean, it was good. I waited. But you see, when we try to be led by the Spirit without waiting on our brothers and sisters, without waiting on the Lord, we oftentimes pay a price. And sometimes it's division in a church. Sometimes it's breaking fellowship with other believers. Sometimes it's unnecessary or unintentional wounds that get left on a brother or a sister. There are oftentimes painful prices that are paid when we try to be led by the Spirit, but without waiting on God and without waiting on the body of Christ that He has united us to. And there have been many things in the life of this church, even though we're still a very young church, but there have been many things that either myself or Pastor Kevin or Pastor Gary have felt like the Spirit is kind of stirring and leading us in, and we want to charge full steam ahead, and yet it seems like the others are just not on that same page. We're not sensing that same prompting of the Spirit. And when that happens, when there's not a unity amongst the plurality of elders or the members of a church, at the very least, that should cause us to pump the brakes and wait. And, and pursue some more time in prayer and pursue some more conversations and seek some more wise counsel. And we must, when the Spirit is not aligning all of our hearts, we must at the very least slow down and wait. And the same thing is true in marriage. Husbands, yes, you are called to lead your families. You are called to lead your wives, but you are also called to be one with your wife. And the Spirit has oftentimes worked things in my heart that I needed to kind of pump the brakes on and wait on until both Britt and I were aligned and we could acknowledge together that, yes, this is where the Lord is leading. And when we're aligned, that's when we know, okay, let's go. To be led by the Spirit, though, as we wait on the Lord means that we're going to have to be persistent in prayer. Simeon was a righteous and devout man who prayed and prayed and he set his hope on the Lord and on his word and the Holy Spirit was upon him and God heard him and he heard from God. And God then graciously gives him a part to play in this beautiful story of redemption. Church, our God hears. He hears and our God gives grace. Look at how gracious God was to Simeon to give this revelation of the Spirit in verse 26 to him, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then here it is. 
Here it is, God graciously leading Simeon to come to the temple on this particular day and to hold the Savior of the world in his arms. The one who created the heavens and the earth, Simeon gets to hold in his arms. And Simeon being led by the Spirit, he's filled with joy and he responds with praise. But he's not the only one that's been waiting. He's not the only one that's being led by the Spirit. Let's meet Anna, okay? So look at Luke 2. Let's skip down to verse 36, and let's meet Anna. Verse 36 says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, Anna, we do know, is an older woman. I suppose Luke didn't understand. uh, He shouldn't have put her age in there, Uh, but he did. We know she's an older woman. She was either 84 years old or she had been a widow for 84 years old after being married for seven, and that would put her over 100. But look at what characterized her life. She did not depart from the temple. She was continuously worshiping, fasting, and praying. She was waiting on the Lord, and her waiting practically played out as unceasing worship. Unceasing worship. Church, what do you do when you don't get what you want when you want it? Those who joyfully wait upon the Lord worship without ceasing, and they do it day in and day out for 80-plus years. Oh, may we pray for more Simeons and Annas who patiently wait upon the Lord year in and year out. And church, this is is one of my prayers, that the Lord would bring some more older saints into our church so that would be willing to be patient with some of the immaturity of a new church so that we might have more examples of this patient endurance that we can follow. What great examples Simeon and Anna are for us of just this patient endurance. An Amazon Prime generation does not have the patience for this. To, To worship and wait for Christ to come year in and year out. Decade after decade. You see, many people come to church and they seek after Christ, but they are gone in less than a year when they do not get what they want when they wanted it. We want our lives to be transformed in an instant. We want the world to be made new right now. We want a perfect marriage to be delivered by our pastor in two days or less. And when we do not get what we want when we want it, we say, well, enough of this Jesus stuff. I've got better things to do on a Sunday morning. Now, certainly God can and at times does work in an instant and transform lives overnight, but he more often than not works slowly. He does not work on our timetable. And look at how patient Anna was in her waiting. She was waiting for the Christ to come year after year. And guess what? Up until this point, year after year, he didn't come. And she waited. And in her waiting, she continued to worship fast and pray. 
Contrast that with what we often do in our waiting. Oftentimes, we complain and we grumble and we grow bitter. But she is continually worshiping, fasting, praying. She's patiently enduring. But we struggle with patience. We do struggle with patience. And most of us, we realize this when we go to drink hot chocolate. All right? It's, it's hot chocolate drinking time of year, okay? And I don't know about you, but, you know, every time I've got hot chocolate, you know, it, it smells good, and I'm excited to drink it, and I wait. And I'm telling you, I really try to be patient with hot chocolate, but I can't think of a time that I had hot chocolate that my tongue was just, just not burned and scolded, like beyond repair, right? For the next two days, you can't taste anything, right? Which is a question we're not asking, people losing their taste recently, right? I mean, like, it is hot chocolate season. Is this, play, is this a part of the, the, the story, okay? That was sort of a joke, and you guys feel free, feel free to laugh. Thank you for the front table. Uh, yeah, okay. But listen, uh, if you are not patient, you are going to get burned with hot chocolate, right? If you are not patient, you are going to get burned. You are going to get hurt if you are not patient. And this is true in all aspects of life. Just ask anyone who has spent money that they do not have or gotten into a relationship they were not ready for or who ran ahead of God and the body of Christ. When you lack patience, you oftentimes get burned. You get hurt. And the question then is, well, how in the world can I become more patient? Well, it helps first to know and see and remember how God has been patient with us. In the Old Testament, we see God's patience in the phrase slow to anger or long-suffering. Psalm 86 verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is patient. And then in the New Testament, we see it play out a bit more plainly. Paul, when writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, he writes, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. God gives us grace. He extends us grace by being patient with us. And if in the providence of God, the Holy Spirit has come upon you to lead you into this place, to hear this word on this particular morning, could it be that his kindness and patience is with you right now, leading you to repentance? Could this morning be yet another opportunity that he is extending his grace to you? Do not think that the slowness of his judgment on you means that it is not coming. It will be on your doorstep shortly. But see how good and gracious and patient the Lord has been with you and your loved ones. He has given us another Christmas season to turn from our sin and to trust in Christ alone for our salvation. And so I would urge anyone in here this morning who has not put their faith in him to receive him as your Lord and Savior, to receive this grace and forgiveness that he extends to you today. 
He has been patient with you. And most of you were not even aware of it. But followers of Jesus, he has also been patient with you. He is patient with us in our sanctification. We, we are not yet who we are becoming. The renovation of our hearts has begun, but it is not complete. We've started to walk with Jesus, but just like a toddler, we're still learning to walk with Jesus. But we get so impatient with the process, and we get really impatient with the process of our brother and sister sitting next to us. And we do this because we forget and lose sight of how patient the Lord is with us. And so may we as elders set the example here in the church and be patient with those that we are leading according to 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, that says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And we are to do that so that all of you, like Hebrews 6.12 says, may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience inherit the promises. God has heard all our impatient prayers and longings, and he gives grace by being patient with us and empowering us to be patient with one another. Church, we can joyfully wait upon the Lord because God hears and God gives grace. Simeon and Anna, God hears and God gives grace. When you don't get what you want when you want it, where do you turn? Are you waiting on the Lord? Are you trusting and resting in the fact that he hears you when you pray and the grace he extends to you never runs dry? When you don't get what you want, when you want it, who are you being led by? Are you seeking to be led by the Spirit alongside brothers and sisters who the Spirit has united you to? When you don't get what you want, when you want it, do you forget the patience of God? And could it be that He's cultivating His patience in you while you wait? Are you extending this same patience to others. Simeon and Anna joyfully waited for the Lord, and we can do this as well because God hears and God gives grace. And as I wind things down, Joshua and Tim, you guys can come on back up. We're going to sing a couple more songs, and then we, uh, I promise we will eventually get to the food. And we're about to enjoy this meal together. And, and this is going to be a good meal, all right? And I don't want to bash this meal at all. This is going to be a good meal. But listen, church, may this meal serve to remind us that we are waiting on a better meal that is coming. All right? We are waiting on the ultimate meal that God is leading us to. We are waiting for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that time for that feast, when Jesus will return and when he rights all wrongs and when he heals all the brokenness and pain we experience here on this earth, that will be the ultimate feast and the ultimate meal that God is leading us to. 
But today, we are waiting. But we are waiting knowing that that meal is coming. And therefore, a meal like this is a little taste of the goodness that is to come. Much like a chef giving you a little taste of the main dish before it's all ready, like they are preparing it. That's what this meal is like. One of the Puritans, Thomas Brooks, he put it like this. We'll have it up on the screen. He said, here, God gives his people some taste that they may not faint. And he gives them but a taste that they may long to be home. We are a people who are waiting. We are not at the end of the story yet, but we are closer than we've ever been before. And what we are doing right now is sustaining us so that we might not faint. And it is giving our senses a taste of the future glory that is to come that we might long for home even more. We are waiting for that meal. Psalm 130, verse 5, I'll say it again. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. Let's pray.